We also need to keep the ballot box safe from illegal voting. This commission started as a way to try and legitimize, to try and justify the biggest lie that a sitting president has ever told. Our job should be making it easier for people to vote, not harder. It's a good step that this ridiculous and unnecessary commission is gone. And we are going to defend the votes of the American citizens. So important. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. My name is Jamal Bowie. I'm Slate's chief political correspondent and your host for today's episode. A few weeks after the 2016 election, Donald Trump alleged voter fraud. In addition to winning the Electoral College by a landslide, I won the popular vote if you deduct the millions of people who voted illegally, said Trump on Twitter. This was false. There was no proof of large-scale illegal voting in the 2016 presidential election, and there was little evidence of any voter fraud in American elections at all. But this didn't matter for the president, who repeated his claim after inauguration and established a commission on election integrity on the basis of this belief. Chaired by Vice President Michael Pence, but led by Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach, an advocate for voter identification and other hurdles on registration, the commission was charged with investigating a phenomenon which doesn't actually exist in the real world. The Election Integrity Commission didn't get far before it was mired in controversy, as state officials from around the country refused to comply with requests for detailed information on voters. And on Wednesday, after nearly a year of conflict and litigation, the president disbanded this commission, although not without commentary. Many mostly Democrat states refused to hand over data from the 2016 election to the Commission on Voter Fraud, said the president on Twitter. They fought hard that the commission not see their records or methods because they know that many people are voting illegally. System is rigged, must go to voter ID. Compared to his most transgressive behavior, President Trump's claim of 3 million illegal votes is less worrisome than his social media brinksmanship with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un or his routine turns to racial demagoguery. Still, By the standards of presidential conduct, it's absolutely absurd, and that absurdity shouldn't obscure the extent to which these ideas and these beliefs have wide currency throughout the Republican Party and are certain to resurface in his administration. The Voter Integrity Commission might be dead, but the quest to suppress votes is not. Here to talk about the Election Integrity Commission and other threats to voting rights is Ari Berman, a senior reporter at Mother Jones Magazine and a reporting fellow with the Nation Institute. He is the author of Give Us the Ballot, The Modern Struggle for Voting Rights in America. Hi, Ari. Welcome to Trumpcast. Hey, Jamel. Great to talk to you. Thank you. So first off, I was wondering if you could just like talk a little bit about this Election Integrity Commission. You've written about it uh, many times. You've written about Chris Kobach. Um, you sort of have a really great handle on uh, the commission, on on the larger question of voter suppression um, so could you just say a little bit about it's the, the origins of this panel and what exactly it was trying to do? Yeah, well, I think the origins of the panel date back to November 2016 after the election uh, right around Thanksgiving where Donald Trump tweeted seemingly out of nowhere that he would have won the popular vote if not for millions of people who voted illegally. And a lot of people thought that was ridiculous and crazy and said, there's no evidence millions of people voted illegally. There's no evidence that thousands of people voted illegally or even hundreds. Uh, But nonetheless, Trump clung to this claim. Uh, 
in the first week of his presidency, he repeated the idea that three to five million people voted illegally, and that's why he lost the popular vote. And he said he was going to launch an investigation. And again, a lot of people did not take him seriously. Uh, but in May of 2017, in May of 2017, he announced the creation of what he called the Presidential Commission on Election Integrity. The chair of the commission was Mike Pence, his vice president, and the vice chair of his commission, really the guy who was running his commission, was Chris Kobach, the Kansas Secretary of State, who had a long history of pushing policies that restricted access to the ballot. And it really became Kobach's commission. And then there were a bunch of other commissioners who were appointed, including a lot of people that had previously worked in the Bush administration who had a long record of voter suppression, people like Hans von Spakovsky, who was with the Heritage Foundation, and Jay Christian Adams, who was another guy. So it was kind of like you had these guys from the Bush administration that were getting the gang back together. Then you also had Kobach and some people that were real Trump-type people who were running this show. And, And pretty much from the very beginning, it was controversial. So if President Trump is behind this, if he supports um, this investigation of voter fraud, if there is this who's who of voter suppressors uh, on the panel, um, how come it didn't really accomplish much? Um, A lot of the coverage of the disbanding has mentioned that the commission didn't really do all that much in its relatively short existence. Well, the commission faced a tremendous amount of scrutiny. First off, there was a tremendous amount of scrutiny over Trump's claim that millions of people voted illegally. So a lot of people wondered why this commission was set up in the first place. And it wasn't just people like me or you that were wondering it. It was people like Mitch McConnell, who were very supportive of Trump, who said that they did not support this commission. So it never really had a lot of support among uh, Republicans on the Hill. Then when the commission asked for voter data from all 50 states, which happened uh, in June of last year, that really caught a lot of people off guard. And a lot of Republican secretaries of state rejected that request. You had the secretary of state of Mississippi, for example, who told Kobach to go jump in the Gulf of Mexico. (laughs) So, I mean, when that started happening, the resistance to the commission grew beyond just kind of liberal types to you had rank-and-file Republican secretaries of state that wanted nothing to do with this. And then you had just a tremendous amount of litigation that really bogged the commission down. I mean, because it was a presidential commission, there were all these federal laws that it was supposed to follow, federal transparency laws and federal privacy laws and all of these things. And the commission just was not following that stuff because they had no interest in operating transparently or secretly. Kobach basically wanted to run this uh, as kind of his own uh, side thing to try to prove massive widespread voter fraud, even though there really was no evidence of that fraud. So there were all of these lawsuits, and I think this really reached a fever pitch when the Secretary of State of Maine, who was a Democratic member of the commission, actually sued the commission, claiming that he was being kept in the dark. And a judge ruled, this is pretty remarkable, that you had a member of the commission sue (laughs) the commission that he's on, and, and over Christmas, a federal judge ruled in favor of the Maine Secretary of State and basically said they had the commission had to operate more transparently and openly. And I think at that point, they realized that it was untenable, that the way that Kobach was running this commission uh, couldn't survive a scrutiny. We never know why the Trump administration does anything, but I think this was more of a problem than it was helping them at this point. And I think what they're trying to do now is submerge it into the Department of Homeland Security, where they can try to do some of the same kind of stuff, but away from public scrutiny. And we'll see if that ends up working or not. 
So Ari, if this is being transferred into the Department of Homeland Security, what does that look like? Well, that's a really good question, Jamel, and that's what we're all trying to figure out, because DHS is not st- set up for this purpose. I mean, DHS is set up to try to uh, protect America from terrorism and uh, not to hunt for voter fraud. And I think what Kobach wants to do is he wants to match a state voter roles with databases of non-citizens and try to say, look, there's all of these non-citizens who are registered to vote because we have the federal databases to prove it. The problem is those federal databases are not set up for that purpose. They don't, for example, include information on uh, immigrants who naturalized. So you could have a lot of people who naturalized who are accused of being non-citizens uh, by Chris Kobach. And so I think it's really worrisome that that suddenly they just can transfer this commission. I mean, this commission shut down because it was so discredited. And suddenly to put it into DHS and have it be associated with organizations like ICE that are very, very controversial, that are supposed to be focused on immigration and the rest of DHS is supposed to be focused on national security, suddenly that's becoming an arm of the Trump administration's voter suppression efforts, I think is quite alarming. I think you're going to see a lot of scrutiny about what Kobach is saying. And I think if DHS does try to become an extension of the Fraud Commission without the kind of oversight and scrutiny that we saw with the Fraud Commission, I think we're going to see more litigation, um, more scrutiny. And I think it's going to be very hard for them to pull this off. I'm not saying they're not going to try to pull it off, uh, but I think just transferring this and saying, you know, we're going to do the work of the commission, but no one's going to stop us now. I think it's going to be very, very difficult for them to do. I guess I get to sort of my big question here, which is what exactly is the goal? Um, the federal government, or at least the White House, can't implement voter ID. It can't do any of those things. So what? What was? What is Kobach beyond trying to prove the existence of mass voter fraud? What's the concrete thing? that you think he was trying to accomplish and and is trying to accomplish now that this is going to be put into the Department of Homeland Security? Well, I think Kobach is dead set on proving the existence of widespread voter fraud, particularly widespread voter fraud by non-citizens, because uh, that will then build support for some of his signature policies. For example, in Kansas, he has put in place this requirement for proof of citizenship to register to vote. So if you want to register to vote in Kansas, you have to show a passport or a birth certificate or naturalization papers. Well, a lot of people don't have those documents, and most people don't walk around with those documents when they go to register to vote. So that requirement in Kansas blocked one in seven people from being able to register to vote. It was an extremely disruptive policy. And Kobach wants these kind of policies nationwide uh, because they benefit Republicans, they shrink the electorate. And so I think he knows the only way to build support for policies like proof of citizenship or voter registration, like voter ID, like purging the voting rolls, is to be able to say that voter fraud, particularly voter fraud by non-citizens, is a massive problem. And he's trying to prove that. The other thing is by showing that there's fraud by non-citizens, even though there is no evidence of this, he can then build support for his other main objective, which is restricting immigration. Because remember, Kobach and Trump share an interest in this. Kobach uh, wants to uh, end the the Dreamer program. He wants to deport all 11 million people who are here undocumented. I think by trying to connect anti-immigration hysteria to hysteria about voter fraud, I think Kobach feels like he can accomplish two things at once, which is to try to restrict voting and then to also try to restrict immigration. You know, I, I think it's probably worth a moment here to talk just a little about 
Kobach. I keep on saying Kobach, but it's Kobach. You already mentioned that he is the Kansas Secretary of State. Um, but what is his history in this sort of ongoing story of voter suppression, of anti-immigrant policies? Um, where, where, where is the what's the path that brought him uh, to this point and to this position? Well, I profiled Kobach in the New York Times Magazine last year, and I got into a lot of this stuff because basically Kobach has been the driving architect of laws that restrict immigration and laws that restrict voting. He served in the George W. Bush Justice Department, and then when he got out of the George W. Bush Justice Department, when he was an advisor to John Ashcroft, he began advising all of these states and localities, including places like Arizona, how to restrict immigration. And so he authored some very controversial policies, like the Show Me Your Papers policy in Arizona, where police could stop anyone they believed had a reasonable suspicion of being in the country uh, illegally. So that was really his signature issue was immigration and restricting immigration through very, very controversial means. Then, after 2010, he became the Secretary of State of Kansas. And that's when he really started uh, to restrict voting, and he wanted Kansas to be this model state that would both uh, export anti-immigration laws, but also export new restrictions on voting. And he was doing this at a time that states all around the country, whether it was Ohio or Wisconsin or, or Virginia or Pennsylvania, were suddenly passing all these laws to make it harder to vote. So Kobach really became a key leader of that movement. And so these laws that he's drafted, like proof of citizenship in Kansas, he has uniquely tried to export, because most secretaries of state are totally anonymous, and they focus on their own states, and nobody knows who they are. Kobach is a, a guy who has a national profile, even though he's just a secretary of state, and is keenly aware that what he's doing in Kansas, he wants to try to do nationwide. And so he, he's both tried uh, to export these anti-immigration policies and, and, and export these uh, anti-voting policies, and has really been, I think, somewhat unique in trying to link the two issues. Would you say that he's been effective at all, um, that he's had an impact, or is this so far still um, striving, but not, not he hasn't landed, landed anything on target yet? Well, it depends how you define effective. He's certainly been effective in getting his name out there and becoming a go-to player for the alt-right. Uh, he has not been that effective in implementing public policy. Uh, many of the anti-immigration measures that he wrote were blocked in court. Uh, he's been sued four times in Kansas by the ACLU over his voter suppression policies. We've seen how he's done as vice chair of the president's uh, election integrity commission. I mean, he has been uh, controversial from the very beginning. The Trump administration is now uh, throwing him under the bus. They're saying this is just Steve Bannon's idea <laughs> all along. Um, and, and so, but the thing about Kobach is he's a little bit like a cockroach and that he, he just never dies. And so I'm not willing to write his obituary yet. Uh, number one, I think he is running for governor of Kansas. He is the front runner. So he could very well be governor of a major state uh, next year. And secondly, I think the Republicans have a vested interest in pushing voter suppression. So even though this commission may make them feel uncomfortable, the fact that Kobach wants to put these policies in place, like proof of citizenship, like voter ID, that's something that a lot of Republicans support. And indeed, as their majorities become more tenuous in advance of the 2018 election, in advance of the 2020 election, I think we're going to see them double down on voter suppression in a lot of places. So in addition to the Election Integrity Commission, I know you wrote recently about the census. Uh, we're 
about to take a census in a couple years, 2020. Um, and this is a major deal for um, determining representation in Congress or in the House of Representatives for formulas involving um, resources and so on and so forth. And you are trying to, uh, from what I can see, sound the alarm about how the census uh, is going, um, how the preparations for the census are are inadequate at this point. And you wrote a really interesting piece about the man President Trump has chosen to head up efforts for the census, uh, arguing that he is kind of another figure in this world of voter suppression and gerrymandering and so on and so forth. So could you, we have a little time left. Um, could you talk a little bit about that, uh, about, about the census and this uh, this guy? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm extremely concerned that the Trump administration is using the census, which is constitutionally mandated to accurately count every person in America, as a vehicle for their war on voting, which is just an unbelievable misuse of a constitutionally mandated task. And if you look at the guy that they are close to appointing, he has not yet been appointed, but everyone says he's going to be appointed. They are choosing a guy by the name of Thomas Brunel, who's a professor of political science at the University of Texas at Dallas, to be the deputy director of the Census Bureau and basically the de facto head of the 2020 census. And the census is usually run by nonpartisan people, career people that have a long history working in government. But this guy, Thomas Brunel, has no history working in government. And even more disturbingly, he is an expert in Republican gerrymandering, meaning he has been hired by Republicans to defend uh, gerrymandered maps in more than a dozen states, including states like North Carolina and Alabama and Virginia, where those maps were struck down by federal courts as racial gerrymandering. And this is so disturbing to me because the census forms the basis for redistricting. So you need an accurate census so you can have an accurate apportionment of seats. But here you have a guy that's an expert at manipulating the census and an expert at manipulating the drawing of districts to favor Republicans, which is such a conflict of interest in terms of how the census is supposed to work. He's also someone who has written a book uh, arguing that competitive elections are bad for America, uh, which is uh, quite a controversial opinion. He basically That's an extremely wants controversial ultra, opinion. An extremely controversial opinion, especially because what he's doing in all of these redistricting cases is basically arguing that Republicans should draw as many safe seats as possible for themselves, and is few safe seats as possible for Democrats to maximize Republican representation. Uh, but this guy is supposed to be in charge of a task of accurately counting every American. This is something that's supposed to be addressed from a scientific, apolitical perspective. And, and now they're basically trying to bring in one of their lead gerrymandering experts in the Republican Party to run the census, which is just an unbelievable and dramatic departure from how any previous administration ran the census. You had Republican administrations, Democratic administrations. Yeah, they had slightly different people in there, but they both were committed to an accurate and nonpartisan census, and I don't see that happening at all. You also had the fact that the Department of Justice has written to the Census Bureau and asked them to add a question on citizenship. So right now the census doesn't ask if you're a U.S. citizen or not, because they're supposed to count everyone in America, citizens or not. The Justice Department wants to ask if people are citizens, which in this climate where so many people are afraid of being deported, that could be a disaster. That could massively depress uh, immigrant responses, which would mean two things. Number one, there are fewer immigrant responses, so areas with a lot of immigrants, like New York and California, get fewer resources. The second thing they could do is they could say, 
well, if we have that data on citizenship, we can draw districts just based on citizens, not based on total population, which Republicans tried to do last year, lost a huge Supreme Court case about this in 2016, but now they're trying again. So I think this is a very, very, very devious way to try to undermine democracy. And I think they're using the census as one of their vehicles for undermining democracies, which, which I find to be very disturbing. I think we have to sound the alarm now because the census is going to begin on April 2020, but the preparations are, are starting now to do it. And if they get it wrong right now, there's no way they'll be able to do it accurately when it actually begins in April 2020. And more broadly, what you seem to be describing is even if this Election Integrity Commission is gone, even if um, Kobach has a, a somewhat less visible role in the administration, it is the case that voter suppression efforts of reducing uh, the representation of Democratic voting constituencies are kind of ongoing in this administration. Yes, I, th- I think that's absolutely the case. I think you know, even if there was no more election and integrity commission, even if Donald Trump suddenly stopped claiming that millions of people voted illegally, we would still see Republican efforts at the state level uh, to make it harder to vote. We would still see the Trump administration uh, trying to sabotage the census uh, and, and other things that promote democracy. We would still see the Trump Justice Department be hostile to voting rights. So this fight over voter suppression is far from over. We have been speaking to Ari Berman. He is a senior reporter at Mother Jones Magazine and a reporting fellow with the Mason Institute. He is also the author of Give Us the Ballot, The Modern Struggle for Voting Rights in America. Thank you, Ari, so much for joining us. Thanks, Jamel. Always great to talk to you. And that's the show for today. If you aren't following Trumpcast on Twitter, you must. We're on there as at RealTrumpCast. That's at RealTrumpCast. We share links and stories in more ways for you to share the show with your friends and family. So sign up for Twitter and give us a follow. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon. I'm Jamal Bowie, and thank you for listening.